Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. Please visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials and other videos. I'm your host, Curtis Winkle, and I'm here this morning with Kyle Andrews. How are you, Kyle? Good morning, Curtis. How are you doing? Good. You've been uh, you've been spending some time in, in assembly in the warehouse lately, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So to uh, help meet demand and get product out the door, I've been in assembly, putting together valves and helping to train some new employees that we have. That's fun. A little, little hands-on work for you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about about something that's that's misunderstood sometimes, and so I, I thought it'd be fun to, you know, both you and I have. Uh, let's see, you've got five kids at the house; I've got four, so I thought it'd be fun. You know, miscommunication and misunderstandings happen all the time with with kids. I wondered if you had a, a story about maybe when your kids misunderstood something or, or you misunderstood something they were trying to communicate to you. Yep. So my oldest, um, this was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he was. And he must have been three, maybe four, but he came to me and was asking me to to make him something, to build something. And what he was saying was, Daddy, can you make me a popsicle force? And I was like, a popsicle force? Like, I didn't, don't know what that is. Like, I, so I kept asking him questions or asking him to repeat himself. Yeah. He started to get frustrated because I, I wasn't understanding what he was trying to communicate. And so after asking him some more questions, he finally <clears throat> finally mentioned uh, something about American Ninja Warrior, which we yeah. liked watching. Yeah. And so him saying Popsicle Force, I had to translate that. And what he was saying was Obstacle Course. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he wanted to make an obstacle course to, to play American Ninja Warrior. Uh, it, it took a minute, but finally came to an understanding. Uh, similar when my... Let's see. I guess he was probably four at the time. My four-year-old, my uh, father-in-law had come over and brought some chocolate milk to our house one evening. And uh, he, he, my son said, uh, Papa, can I have some, can I have some milk? You know, can I have a drink? And, and my father-in-law, this is all, I didn't hear all this initially, but my father-in-law said, well, can you, if you can spell milk, I'll get you some, you know, if you can spell it. And uh, later in the evening, uh, he came to me and my son was like, dad, can I have some milk? Can you give me some milk? I was like, okay. You know, so I got him a little cup of milk and set it, set it on the table in the kitchen. And he looks at me, like looks at the cup and then just takes the cup and knocks it over. And so it's spilling all over the table, all over the floor. And I'm freaking out, <laughs> not, <laughs> not happy with him because it was very intentional, you know, had right. before a little bit. So I grab him and we go in the bedroom and we're having to talk and, and, you know, spanking's on the horizon. Like, what, do you understand why you're getting a spanking? Like why, what you did wrong? Well, Papa told me to spill milk and I could have some. <laughs> <laughs> so he heard, he heard spill the milk and not spell milk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's, that would be frustrating. Messes are one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh yeah. And yeah. it's. Uh, man, yeah. So he was waiting for him to be able to spell it. To spell it before he got him some, and he never did. So, uh, okay. Because he heard spill. So, but just the confusion and like, you know, on his face, like, I don't feel like this is the right thing, but this is what Papa <laughs> said to do. So, anyway, That's he fun. didn't. He didn't get a spanking. I retreated. You can laugh uh, about it now. Now we can laugh about it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so. So this topic today, uh, some some people do get confused about, um, and that's maximum allowable working pressure. 
versus operating pressure. And so I, I think vessels have these as well, but we're specifically talking about valves. So where where is this concept misunderstood? Where do you come across this yourself, Kyle? Yeah, I see some confusion um, when people are looking at valve data sheets or uh, valve sizing sheets. Um, so usually they'll have two different, they'll have both the max allowable working pressure and the operating pressure. The max allowable working pressure is underneath like the valve data section. So it's, you know, stating what the maximum uh, working pressure for that specific valve and connection type should be. Um, but then the operating pressure is usually found under the flow conditions. So it's stating what the actual pressure is in that valve or vessel. So there's kind of two different two different things you're looking at there. So maximum, generally speaking, we don't we don't want to hit the maximum, right? We'd rather not if possible. Correct. So the maximum allowable working pressure is is the maximum pressure that that valve can see and still operate. You know, you could say, hey, if it goes over this this working pressure, there's a danger of it, um, you know, failing of some component breaking of the body rupturing. Uh, so there's that's the number that you, you don't want to go over. Um, now, for the specific uh, ANSI flange or, you know, connection, um, these things are specifically valves and even vessels for that matter, but they're hydro tested to one and a half times the max allowable working pressure. So if you had a valve that was rated for a thousand pounds, it's actually hydro tested up to 1500 pounds. And that's just uh, for a safety factor. Uh, they want to make sure that there's a little bit of room there. Now, that doesn't mean that you can operate it up to 1,500 pounds, but it's just hydro-tested up to that amount yeah. um, just to make sure that it it will hold together at the 1,000 pounds working pressure yeah. or max allowable working pressure. Right, just an extra safety factor there. So so do right. OEMs generally do that? Is that who does this? Yeah, yeah, OEMs uh, will do that. Um, so on their vessels, if it's a uh, if it's a coated vessel, uh, it'll be hydro tested to one and a half times working pressure. Okay. So if it's you know a uh, a vessel that's got fourteen forty working pressure, it'll be tested up to twenty one sixty. Wow, you believe the number there. So it's. And that's just, again, just to make sure that uh, it can get up to that MAWP uh, and still hold together. Um, and even here at Camry, we uh, hydro test some of our valves uh, to make sure that they're in compliance with uh, with their connection and, and, and MAWP. You mentioned different parts that we're testing. Is it so part of it is kind of the, the is it the material and the thickness of the, the valve body? versus yeah, yeah, also so internal the, parts? Yeah, so you, you're making sure that the valve body is safe, but then also those internal parts have that, you know, that same pressure. So like valve packing, yeah. um, you know, would be under that. You want to make sure it's not leaking there. Uh, the connection type, you know, that's going to determine uh, a lot of the times what the MAWP is. So, you know, the the flange type so if it, is it 150 raised face flanges 300 600 and so on threaded bodies 
um, you want to make sure that uh, those connections are holding against that MAWP yeah. and, and not leaking and are not failing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that's kind of maximum allowable working pressure. And we, we talk about that as, as that's a, a static number that's going to be visible on the, the valve data. Like this is the maximum pressure it's a hold. Mm -hmm. uh, so then operating pressure. Uh, now this could be more of a, a range is my understanding. Is that right? Yeah. So this could be, uh, that, that number could be anywhere under the MAWP. So operating pressure uh, could be anywhere underneath it. So if it's a thousand PSI, it could be from one to, you know, a thousand PSI. Uh, now, if there's a, if we're talking about a regulator, sometimes there is a, a range for that valve. So like our AAR or back pressure regulator, uh, it's from 10 to 300. Um, that's the, the operating pressure range for something like a high pressure control valve. It can be anywhere from zero up to the MAWP. So that, you know, sometimes it's a range if there's so regulators or anything with a, a spring, you know, that controls pressure or flow uh, is is going to have a range. With high pressure control valves, it's really up to whatever is controlling the valve. So if it's a, a pressure pilot, again, it'll have a certain operating range. But if it's something like you know an electric actuator or some other means of actuation, uh, it could be anywhere from zero up to the MAWP. Okay. So if it's if it's pneumatic, you want to look at the the MAWP for the pilot, right? Yeah, um, for the for the valve and pilot, and then the the operating pressure for that pilot. Um, for example, our you know our seventy five PG pilot operates from seventy five psi up to seven hundred and fifty psi. Okay. So that would be the operating pressure range. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at something like uh, the flow data for a specific application, when the working pressure is listed, or the or not the working pressure, but the operating pressure, that's the the flow condition. So they're they're saying, hey, this valve is going to be operating at this gotcha. pressure, um, and then that's what you would use to to size the valve uh, and to make sure that it it works correctly uh, for that specific application. So if you're looking at you know, sizing or some flow conditions, you may get a, a you may not get a, a range, but a static number, but that is within that range of operating pressures that this correct this valve can hold. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. We mentioned coated vessels earlier. You want to explain what that is? Yeah. So coated vessels. Um, so when an OEM is is building a separator, heater treater, whatever piece of equipment. Um, if they are a coded shop, that means they're following uh, certain guidelines and while they're building this vessel, uh, certain material thicknesses that they're using, uh, the way they're welding it together, the way they're testing it. Um, there's certain procedures you have to follow uh, to be able to build coded vessels uh, and to have that claim of, you know, being a coded shop. There, there are some places that don't claim to be coated vessels. You know, you can use those, but then there's kind of some unknowns on, okay, I don't know if this thing was tested properly. I don't know how it was uh, put together necessarily. So there's, you know, some questions that you can't have answered when you're working with a non-coated vessel. So it's really just the, the safer option to 
buy from and operate with coded vessels yeah. uh, because you know that they've followed certain procedures while manufacturing these vessels. And so you can, you can trust them. Very good. Well, uh, thank you, Kyle. Uh, now, do you have a topic, listener? Do you have a topic you'd like us to cover, something you'd like some clarity on or like us to explain or pick Kyle's brain on? You can uh, email me, Curtis Winkle, C-W-I-N-K-L-E at Kimray.com, and we will get you on the show and get that, that question answered. So email me any ideas or questions that you have would like answered, and we will try to get to that. You'll find uh, links to the products and resources we mentioned in this episode's show notes, and we'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. 